Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Wednesday, November the 9th. It's game day. I'm Tony Haggerty at A Haggerty 10, Twitter handle. You're sick of the sight of hearing that. <laughs> but there you go. We'll just keep doing it every day anyway. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW. Good morning, Sean. Game day. You excited? Got your game face on? Trying to put my game face on. A wee bit tired, Tony. Hey? But, uh, <laughs> ah, nice to be here. Nice to be back. Indeed. Good morning, everybody. First things first, we always do the housekeeping and we we direct your attention to the strap line running along the bottom. If you're a subscriber, we thank you very much for that subscription. If you're not a subscriber, you know what to do and you know what I'm going to say. It costs a pound for just two months of full access. Pound for two months. There you go. You can join us. Hit the button www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe gets you access to all the podcasts that we do and everything that's written on the website because we're more than just a podcast, yep. aren't we, Sean? More than certainly just a podcast. Are, certainly are, yep. Indeed, indeed. Game day, Sean. Celtic, seven points clear. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Welcome, fellow Wardrobians. I should call it that every time I come on. <laughs> it. Uh, there you have it. 9pm in the evening here in Port Campbell, the Celtic way before bed. Good man, Andrew. That's what we like to hear. Yes, game day, Sean. Celtic go to yeah. Firth Park to play Motherwell. All I can say is, let's have a repeat of the last time they were there on League Cup duty. Yep. Aye. Um, and I don't see... I mean, we'll, we'll, get the actual score. we'll get the actual score predictions later on, but I don't see why there won't be. Realistically, <laughs> the Celtic are in great form. Motherwell are decidedly not in great form. Um, I think their last five, they've won one. I think if you stretch it, they've won one of their last six, but... All right, they've played Hearts, Aberdeen, Celtic Rangers in, in four of the last five, and they've still only beat Dundee United, who are the bottom side, and by all accounts, going through an absolute torrid time at the moment. So, yep. Motherwell are well off form, well off form. Haven't won at Fur Park since August either. Um, Celtic, on the other hand, Champions League aside, obviously, which is obviously the caveat with a lot of the form guide for Celtic. Um, domestically, though, that's St Marin game's the only blip, and genuinely is the only blip because it's the only time that they've, they've really... <laughs> Not brought it in terms of a, a, a performance, but also just not get the result as well. Um, so I, I, I think Celtic just the, the goals that they're scoring just now, the the fact that Motherwell, as I say, aren't playing well at all. I don't see why there won't be a repeat of the cup game. There was shades of last year about Ange and his pre-match uh, talks mm-hmm. on Morning Hill and how we're doing, and uh, he was asked about the healthy seven-point lead and was asked mm-hmm. was not enough to win the title, all that kind of stuff, and he just said. It was ludicrous to even talk about that kind of stuff because remember last year yep. he said we'll run our own race and that was after a 2-0 win at Fur Park where David Turnbull put some schwas on the ball as he told us that day yes, as well. Uh, remember that? The, the fine strike that he hit with a bit of schwas. But uh, yeah, so I guess it's business as usual for Ange and the boys in terms of they're just going to run their own race and they're not really caring, they're not really looking at, at the table but he wants to finish before the break with a flourish and two good wins, but as you always say, he wants a performance box ticks as well. Yep, bye. That that's the thing. The two columns that I was going on about, but I think when you, I know he'll not be looking across the city. There's no reason we can't. They've not been playing well. They've been dropping points as well. So, uh, who they got in their last game? They've got Hearts tomorrow in it. Uh, yeah. Hearts tonight, sorry. And then it's St. Mirren who are also playing well. By the way, are also doing doing well. I know they had a, a slip up at the weekend, but they're doing well. Um, there's every chance Celtic, if they run their own race to the way that they, they want to do, there's every chance Celtic get into this break 10 points clear. You can't count that 
is a given, obviously. But um, I certainly think that if they're on their own race, there's every chance that happens. Yeah, John Hill comes in, we go over the same. And Jack, I should respect opponents, but we play and we win. That's the Celtic way. Indeed, Sean, I, I've, uh, myself and Aidan have put in a predicted lineup, and we'll get to that. Mm. Uh, but I said in my kind of preamble that cold and hard and clinical and professional and ruthless, that's what Celtic need to be over the next two games. And they might well extend their lead at the top, uh, as you've just alluded to there, and then minus 10 before the World Cup break. I guess that would be uh, good for Celtic indeed, but I think the manager's not caring about that. He just wants two good wins, two good performances, and you said that they're scoring goals and there's no reason that they cannot repeat their mm-hmm. 4-0 win the last time they were at third part in the League Cup. No, and I mean, you're right, he won't be caring about that because at the, at the end of the day, He's correct to kind of, I know he never outright said, remember what you said last year, but that's essentially what he was trying to get at. Yeah. Um, seven points behind. And he still said at that point, listen, we'll run our own race. We'll see where we are in May when it actually finishes, which is exactly what he's going to be doing this year. So seven points clear, 10 points clear, even if it gets chopped for some reason, that down to four points or whatever, it doesn't matter. He's still going to have that same attitude of when we come back from the World Cup, we're straight back into it, straight back trying to, trying to, um, play their own game and stuff like that and yeah I think that's the, the only attitude you can have you've seen last year Celtic kept plugging away that attitude maybe wasn't prevalent on the other side of the city and it let Celtic just chip away chip away chip away yeah. chip away so for those same reasons or the, the flips the flip of those reasons sorry I suppose to Coglu will be if anything doubling down on what he said last year just because you're behind doesn't mean just because you're ahead sorry doesn't change that attitude and it shouldn't change that attitude and I think they showed that that was the case when they got their noses in front last year it just propelled them even further it's a different kind of pressure leading than yeah. it is Jason but they still coped with both of those pressures extremely well I thought yeah very much so and also as well Sean he was asked a question about you know going easy on the guys who could make their World Cup squads and, and being a <laughs> former national manager I, you thought he might have had some sympathy and he went no they're playing <laughs> basically you know Kevin Ferrier gets it, rip roaring, three scoring, never boring, Glasgow Celtic. I must admit, Tony, that was exactly the answer I thought he would give. I did, I, I, oh, remember, remember with the, the Tom Rogic's question last yeah. year when he was going away with Australia and the travelling and stuff. And he's like, no, he'll get a rest at the end of the season. It's, 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 it's fine. Oh, no, I was delighted when he said that because that's what, you know, I was going about Aiden there when I said cold and hard, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he is, he's just like, I don't care if you guys are going to play in the World Cup. In nah. a matter of days, you're playing for Celtic in the next couple of games and the chips fall where they may because, as he said himself, you could get injured in the first training session when you go away. So, True. you know, you, you can't you can't wrap players in cotton wool and you can't prevent them from injury. You can't preempt it. You know, you can't predict what's going to happen. So they may as well just play and keep their fitness levels up because they're taking it to another level And when they, when they go and play in the World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for the strongest team possible, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Andrew Galea, Rogic is still resting. Unfortunately, I mean, you and Aidan talked about it yesterday, Tony. But I, unfortunately, um, he will not yeah. be going to the World Cup, innit? So that's, that, I think there's the a, by, by all accounts, a few of the, the kind of regular viewers and commenters and stuff have kind of said that they're not that surprised that Graham Arnold yeah. didn't pick him because of the kind of presumed relationship or lack thereof that they've got with each other and stuff. So, but they've been good to have seen Tom Rogic at the World Cup, even though he's not a Celtic player anymore. And speaking of players who uh, are unfortunate, James McCarthy, Sean, hamstring injury, a significant yep. one, the manager said, so could keep him out for a lengthy period. 
And I just think uh, another player who <laughs> just been beset by bad luck since he signed for Celtic. I, I mean, I, I still don't really think there's there's much of a place for him in, in this yeah. squad. I, I still don't think he suits Ange, Ange Postacoglu's style that much. I did say at the start of the season, an unlikely role might be that he comes on as a kind of closer in games that they're yeah. winning to, to kind of ensure that there's the see out the game, that kind of thing. But if anything, because Aaron Moy's getting fitter, I know he's going to get more starts than McCarthy would, and, he, and he's better with the ball than McCarthy is, despite yeah. the fact that McCarthy seems to pull off a, a cracking pass every now and again. Um, I think Aaron Moy is actually that guy now that if, if, uh, if everybody's fit and firing and they're leading in a game, and they want somebody to come on and, and help them close out that game and keep possession and maybe pick out a pass if it's there. Aaron Moy's that guy. It's not it's not James McCarthy. So yeah. I think his game time, along with Yusuke Adiguchi's game time, is just totally deteriorated anyway. Um, it's good to have bodies fit and available. That's a, that's a manager's kind of that's a manager's term in it. Bodies fit and available. <laughs> um, bit of the buck and hair about that, but um, I it's um, well, no manager speak on there, son. But. Ultimately, I don't think it really tangibly affects the the the, the selection dilemmas that Ange, Ange Postecoglou's facing. When you start going like that, Sean, on the, on the board, <laughs> I'll be worried. The will just do it. will be like that sketch and tune flat. I'll just copy every time you're there. You're doing it. Um, but there's a James McCarthy comment here, Tony. Would you, would you make it this as a kind of angle, to, a way to look at it? Um, Tam Max says McCarthy's injured long term, which means Celtic can't sell him for a while yet. Is that kind of is that a fair way to look at it? That actually he's one of the players that you'd be looking to get off your books in January, or not quite yet? I think he might have been one of those players who Ange might have been looking to move on, and mm. that's put a spanner in that kind of work uh, for the time being. And I, I agree with Tam that could be something, but I wouldn't say it puts all the plans up in the air. You know, I think it's just the. Uh, if you look at it, I see a, a, an octopus mm-hmm. tentacle. It's one of the tentacles of many things that they've probably got on the boil mm-hmm. this January. That would have been one of them. It's now no longer uh, viable for McCarthy. Certainly, possibly the Gucci leaving. He's just had no game time at all, and you just don't see where he where he's fitting in as well. As I, I agree with that as well. So yeah, I think McCarthy leaving on the back burner now till he come back and prove his fitness, because also yeah. you want you need clubs to be interested in your players as well, don't you? You do, and I mean, FS making a good point. Um, sorry, uh, Simon Thomas making a good point. McCarthy takes up a homegrown spot. Yes, obviously trained at Hamilton, yeah. uh, through Hamilton stuff. So there is other considerations with these guys, not just whether yeah. they're actually going to play or not. But I, uh, which is a fair point. But with, with McCarthy, are you surprised it's a hamstring injury, Tony? Because I'm certainly not. Um, no. What was no. it? Six or seven hamstring injuries down in England. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And now up here as well. So it's not. I mean, you could probably have saw it coming. Um, still, it's, un- it's unfortunate for him because he's not he's not doesn't get that much game time. But as I see a few people saying in the comments, I think it was Frank came in with a comment saying, "How's he get injured when he's he just sits on the bench?" But uh, was it Andrew Gillia? No, it was David Ferguson training at full pelt. That's the only way you've got to assume that's probably why that is probably yeah. how he's got, got yeah. injured because these things can happen in training. Um, yeah. So, indeed, that hamstring injury, not not that surprised. Big red saying zig and zag here, John. <laughs> you guys are violent today, unlikely you hung over. Hope your hangover gets better, Big Red. Uh, now, Sean, myself and Aidan pick teams. You've got yes, the graphics yes. there, and we'll flick the teams up for mother. We'll see if the, the troops agree. We'll go with yours first, Tony, shall we? My own first, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. Ralston stays for me. That was the, the big takeaway from that. Jensen Carter Vickers, same midfield. And uh, yeah, Kyogo comes in for Jackie Marcus. 
uh, and Jota and Haksabanovic. And I've written a piece on the website. If Sean will probably put the details up on that mm-hmm. about Haksabanovic today and how his goal scoring on Saturday's wee double kind of went unnoticed in the kind of vortex of VAR and last minute winners and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah that's my team. Uh, guys, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think that's quite a, a strong team and is capable of going to Fir Park and winning, as you said, Sean, convincingly. Andrew Gillia says he likes that team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think other people might have uh-huh. a couple of tweaks, maybe uh, Jackie Marcus in there or maybe even Starfelt back, but Beach Boys is all over Tony's 11, he says, yeah. Well, I, I just feel, <laughs> I, I, I just feel, and I, and I wrote a piece the other day as well, saying that Ralston deserves to play. So, because uh-huh. uh, I think... Yep. Uh, I think Juranovic is just slightly off form at the minute and whenever Ralston's come in to deputise at domestic level, he's not letting anybody down. But yeah, lots of people in agreement with that, Sean. Some saying maybe Starfield uh, or maybe James Forrest, but I don't know your own thoughts. What would your team be similar to well, that? I'll, what, what I'll do first is I'll put um, Aidan's team up. Aidan's not here to defend himself, so we'll just tear it apart, shall we? Uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I think Aidan Aiden makes fair points as well. Here he's got Starfelt in there, he's got Juranovic coming back in, Turnbull, yeah. uh, Kyogo coming back in up front as well. For me... Um, I'm kind of in between the two of a wee bit. I think, I think Ralston has earned a consecutive start. Mm-hmm. But I, I've got a sneaky feeling that, given Juranovic missed out entirely at the weekend, he might come back in. Uh, I personally, if I was, if I had done a predicted 11 with the two years, I would have picked Ralston. Um, so we'll see with that one. Um, in mm-hmm. midfield, I still I would like to see Haksabanovic back in there, but I don't think it will happen because um, Moy's obviously there, Turnbull's back fit, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, I think he will go O'Reilly and Hatate, but I agree with Aidan, I think Turnbull, uh, because I think another start will do Turnbull the world a good. I think he needs it after his injury, and it's a familiar venue. You were talking about Swaz against Motherwell and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think he might start up front. I do. I still think it's a toss-up. I know Kyogo came on and scored the winner, essentially. They're the, the third and a 4-2 win, so the winner um, at the weekend. But I don't think Yakimakis was poor. Um, no, I'm not. I, I, I think it's a toss-up. I think yeah. it's a toss up between them two. Um, I don't think it's true, but I just think that Kyogo had a right good impact when he came on mm-hmm. on Saturday. And the run he made for uh, for the third goal, the kind of winning goal, as I like to call it, Celtic, uh, yep. obviously made sure with a badder's goal. But the run he, I mean, he just walks away from Dundee United defenders, and you don't do that by accident. That's the training ground move that Anthony Ralston was talking about. The, the near post corner and the flick on. Once you get the flick on, it's all about who's who's tracking the flick on. And Kyogo made that look so easy because he just came in and he was watching the ball the whole time because mm-hmm. he knew he knew what the move was going to be. Like we've spoken about before, Sean, repetition, repetition, repetition. Celtic are doing these things that become second nature on the park. The manager drills it into them. So despite the fact that there was very little time left, they knew what they were going to do with that set piece. Just a question of executing it, which they did, yeah. which I liked about Saturday as well, because it's something straight from the training ground. These guys know their positions and know where they should be and know what they should be doing in that moment. And despite the panic that might have been surrounding the in the stands, the players didn't. They just got back down to work and just executed a wonderful corner kick move. You know, the floated ball in by O'Reilly. Ralston's touch is crucial. That's the vibe. that's what makes it. You've got to get that that flick on. And then the rest, you know, Kyogo goes into the position and scores. So, yep, yeah, solid team, probably the team I'd go with. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, 
Pete McGee can't hack Sabanovich play on the right. He just played right wing, scored twice, so I think I think he's fine there, aye. Um, the good thing but, about that on Saturday, Sean, was, but I mentioned it as well, that he, he scored from the right and the left aye. on Saturday, because his first aye, goal was from over, the right, and then the second one was from the knockdown by Jack and Marcus. When you say Jack and Marcus didn't have a pure game, I really liked that knockdown from Jack and Marcus as well, because he was under pressure. Yep. We still managed to knock it and down as a, partner and score. As a gone yourself, as I'm always pointing out, no matter who's playing on the wings, they can switch. Jota yeah. and Maida are obviously the best examples. They were they were quite easily switching between between mm-hmm. wings uh, tail end of last season and stuff, and uh, even a bad and Maida when they were playing together. But um, well, I, I it's, man, uh, sorry, as the manager says, they don't have a starting eleven, do they? They have a starting eleven and a finishing eleven, so it's all. Okay, but no. You mean, as, I say, as I always say, but if there's a big game in the corner, you'll soon find out what you start on. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the thing, I'm saying it's a toss-up between Yakimakis and Kyogo, but on the wings, I'm I'm sitting, I'm actually quite glad I never done a predicted 11 with the two East because I'd still be sitting here trying to, <laughs> trying to decide because it's just an embarrassment of riches. It goes yes. back to what I was saying the other day about I'd really like to see Rocco Vata getting a shot, but realistically, yeah. where is he going to get a chance because there's just so many wingers there um, in front of him looking to get a game and even for this game, I mean, ultimately, I, I probably agree that it's just, it's just the same two wingers. It's Jota and Haksabanovic, right? I do agree with that. The two of you have both gone Jota and Haksabanovic. But when you think about it, um, Maida's due some starters minutes because he's only started against Real Madrid in the last four games. Mm-hmm. Abada punished Motherwell just a few weeks ago, scored yeah. again when he came on at the weekend. Um, and then, obviously, both Jota and Haksabanovic, who we've, we've kind of all said we think will start, were really good against United at the weekend. James Forrest has been starting every couple of games and doing well. It's hard. It's, it really is quite hard, actually, isn't it? On, on that note, talking about all of those people, Sean, all of those players and that embarrassment of riches, every one of them has scored a goal. There's 35 yep. league goals being scored. And Haksabanovich was the last one to open his account. But mm-hmm. that's a decent return from all of those players, isn't it? Aye, I mean, last year there was a lot. Of, I mean, I wrote an article breaking down the goals and how the... There wasn't two run. I know it was ended up Kyogo and Yakimakis and Abada wasn't far behind. But last year's team, for how, however often we all look, we go on about the collective and stuff, you could see it in the goal share because everybody was chipping in and it was getting shared about the team. And I can I compared it to teams from the, the the five seasons before it. And usually there would be two the top the two top goal scorers would make up like forty fifty percent of the goals. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's on that. It's in the article. Um, I can kind of try and look it up. And uh, it's got an HP table and all that in it, as, as always. But uh, but last year, partly because Abada was so close up to Kyogo and Yakamakis, but mostly because Kyogo was the only one to reach 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they shared that burden around something awful. They, they, they all bought in it. They all scored the goals. Some of them because i done another article and it was like who was scoring when they were behind, who was scoring to get them level on the occasions where they were behind uh, and then who was just kind of scoring pylon goals and stuff and it won't surprise you that, well it might surprise somebody, but Jota was actually the most kind of, to use an American term, clutch um, Jota was a, the guy that was, was scoring the goals when they needed them most, if you, if you want to put it that way yeah. uh, and the go-to man, Sean was that the go-to man, Jota? Yes, aye, that was the that was the main oh, man, aye. Well, the Jotu man, call him the, the Jotu, Jotu man. man aye. Yes, indeed, indeed, Sean. See, you never lose it. You never lose what you never had. There you have it. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's uh, that's I say my team and Aiden's team. Guys, pick your own team, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of you can agree with a couple mm-hmm. of tweaks maybe uh, in the team there. But yeah, now Sean, another thing yesterday that struck me, Angie's pre-match comments, a lot yep. of interesting facets to them, and uh, I saw a comment there which we'll talk about. Angie actually alluded to the fact that January's business has kind of been done. Well, the, the research and all that, I yeah, think, yeah. The, the yeah, yeah. rather than the and business by the, the kind of the legwork. Yeah, he mentioned Mark Lowell, and he says he now he's going to come in at the tail end of it because I think they've got yeah. a list of players that they'll sift through and see if they're viable targets and try and get them. And then he said the time he's been taking this time to uh, focus on the summer window, which is, uh, I, I, I like the sound of that, Sean. I like the sound of kind of Celtic acting like a, a big club and planning ahead and uh-huh. doing, doing things properly. Uh, that That's what I took from that. And uh, I was quite excited by that, to be fair. I, 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 it didn't really surprise us in the sense that, remember the tail end of last season, he was talking about having two things on the go at the one time, the next window, the window after, yes. and, and yes. always been, always looking during the season at, at, to where they can strengthen in the next window and different things. So it only makes sense. It's it's good It's good to hear him say that. That's still the case. And I mean, to be honest, Mark Lowell's position is what head of, head of first-team scouting and recruitment. So that yes. is the way that it, that is what it should be doing anyway. So um, <laughs> I like the the fact that it's almost a, I mean if that is the way that they're doing it, it's a kind of de facto director of football type scenario they've got going on there. Despite what Dermot Desmond said about Ange being the direct the, the, the chairman of the board in all football matters, it means I suppose he's got the final say, but not necessarily got to do every bit of it himself, which is the worry. Um, yeah. uh, and amongst everyone else, he's got to do so. If Mark Lawwell's the head of first team scouting and recruitment. It's not that surprising that the head of first team scouting and recruitment is doing the massive amount of legwork and yes. then the first team manager is coming in and saying, yes, they will suit me, no, they won't suit me. Happy for you to go for them, Happy, not happy for you to go for that guy, that kind of thing. So I like it. Um, I suppose we'll see who they get in and, and what time frame they get people in because it's an odd one this time with the World Cup not falling yeah. in the January transfer window, if you know what I mean. So it's almost... Aye, it's, it's an odd one, but I still, I still like it. I still think it's a, it's a, it's a fair enough way for them to be working together. But Poster Coglu saying he's now working in the summer window. He, he doesn't stop, does he? Basically, uh, no, no, no. Thinking ahead, you know. So I, I was quite, uh, I was quite impressed by those comments. On I have to say, but uh, and then FS comes in and says Angie's been preparing us for some major departures, most definitely. Yeah, and a couple of comments the, suggest that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily January though. Do you know what I mean? I think if you look at it last year, using the January transfer window, regardless of whether you thought there was going to be big big exits in the summer or not, you knew there was going to be a lot of exits. Whether you thought there were going to be big players or not is a different matter, but you knew there was going to be another turnover of players. Um, so January was used to kind of preempt the fact that, for instance, Tom Rogic was going to go. Matt O'Reilly in January essentially had his successor there and in place and already six months in. Um, you had Hatati. Uh, coming in in January, obviously he hit the ground running in a way I don't think many signings ever have, uh, <laughs> but it still meant that you had six months better in before the actual summer where he had a pre-season and, and all that. Maida did the same. So you can use it in that way where you're strengthening at the time, but also kind of bedding yourself in for a okay, for, for departures in the summer window. It doesn't need to be departures in January, I don't think. No, not necessarily. Uh, I would have thought he would want to keep the squad together. And... Yep. The fact there's no European football at all, yeah, 
Maybe, maybe it might lead to a January departure, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't necessarily think that until it actually becomes something tangible. Um, I think working on stuff in January with the summer window in mind is more likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. So I agree with that completely. Yeah, but let's be honest. It's uh, the Beach Boys comes in and says, "Agree, Sean." Approach last year worked. Beach Boys says, "Guys, behind the scenes, be some honest conversation about players who maybe want to leave." Hence, the work is getting done. It's just not public knowledge, which is a good thing. That, mm-hmm. that's, that was my take from it as well. Of course, there'll be conversation about players leaving in. And Angel wanted Chami's squad. I think a commenter earlier said want to get rid of some of the Deadwood at Celtic and, you know, all killer, no filler, Sean, I guess. Yeah, that's it, Marky. We can't afford yeah, Deadwood in the team. Every squad place is vital, more so in Europe. So he's expecting the club to keep their current trend going of replacing those that it's not working for with better players. Don't think anybody will disagree with that. that logic. Yeah. I think that is what, what they should be doing. I think that's the that, that, way they should be looking at Yeah, sound logic. And also, I think that's what the manager is kind of signposted and roadmap. That's what he wants to do. So, and again, going back to McCarthy, I think McCarthy might have been one of those. You say the Idaguchi's another one. So I think, yeah, and with the caveat that they might sell somebody in January. Maybe. There's a few you know, comments saying they think Juranovic is the most yeah, likely. Juranovic. I don't know. Depends yeah. what kind of World Cup he has. Correct. Exactly. Um, aye. I think the two of us were a lot more realistic about the Juranovic speculation <laughs> in the summer than, than other quarters. But nonetheless, I still think it, it, it does matter what kind of World Cup he has. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, yeah, very much so. Because as I said the other day, he's timed his run. The dipping for him. Absolutely. <laughs> Disastrously, hasn't it really? Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, hopefully he gets a second win when he goes to play for Croatia in the World Cup and the greatest tournament in the earth, and it rejuvenates him. Well, do and, you want him to get a second win, Tony, or do you want him to be kind of fall by the wayside and then go back and rebuild himself <laughs> at Parkhead rather than rebuild himself <laughs> away in Qatar? Well, there's two ways of looking at that, I guess, Sean. Um, by the way, on Qatar, um, in case you were wondering, because obviously there's not going to be any Celtic games for a few weeks while well, well, that's going on. Um, apart from the Sydney Super Cup. Um, but despite the fact that this is arguably the most underwhelming World Cup in my lifetime, Tony, potentially in yours as well, um, and frankly, if it wasn't for the fact we've got to do a show, I might not even be watching it all that much, uh, given everything else surrounding it. Um, but we will be continuing our, our briefings daily, Monday to Friday, um, and a lot of the time we, we will chat about Celtic players at the World Cup, even just general World Cup games that are on and different things. So hope you'll join us throughout that. Uh, for that. <laughs> Speaking of filler, <laughs> oh, filler <no. laughs> yeah, I think there'll be a few of those pods, but nah, guys, it'd be great if you join us. I'm sure you will, because we enjoy it. You know, you know, or like we don't take life that serious and we just love talking about Celtic and we like your thoughts as well on all things Celtic. Now, Sean, I've put it off to 28 minutes, but prediction time. Right, OK. Um, since I've not done a score prediction on a, on a podcast in a wee bit, I don't think... Uh, I'll, I'll go first then. Um, I was talking earlier on about Motherwell's forum, right? Yes. And I said they hadn't won it for, uh, for part since August. They've not beaten Celtic at all since December 2019, right? Which isn't that long ago, really, when you think about it. But, um, or was it December 20? I can't remember. Right, anyway. Uh, but at Fur Park... Right, at Fur Park, they last beat Celtic in April 2013, Tony. I don't think that's changing. I don't think that's changing. I don't even think they'll get a point. I think it will be a Celtic win. Um, incidentally, by the way, that day, 
Celtic had already won the league uh, under Neil Lennon at that point. They'd already won the league when they get beat. But Celtic's record at four parts since that defeat. Played 16, won 12, drawn four. Scored 43 against 12. So for me, I think it's going to be the third 4-0 in a row against Motherwell. Oh, oh. there you go. And uh, funnily enough, 4-0 was going to be my score, but seeing as how I don't want to be the same score as you, I'll go with Jerry Smith and go 5-0 then. Go one better. I just think they've got the bit between the teeth at this moment in time. And same done. Mm-hmm. They want to sign off in style before the World Cup with not just two wins, but two good performances as well. And it's what the manager demands. And I think it'll be you know, pedal to the metal and they, they'll, uh-huh. just, they'll be relentless again in a as you see, I think they'll take advantage of the fact that Motherwell are in a, a poor run of form. Yep. And I think they're going to go. No, I was just going to say, like you're saying they've been relentless. They've been clinical as well. Domestically, obviously, the caveat again being yeah. Champions League, obviously. But mm-hmm. uh, the last five domestic games, 21 goals, Celtic have scored, conceded six, which when you look at the underlying stats, they've, they've gave up 5.75 XG. So they are, they are actually giving up the chances. I know that includes penalties, um, which make up a bit of that. But they're still giving up those chances, so they are conceding the, basically the chances that, that they are giving up. But rather than just opponents being clinical, but at the other end, Celtic have been <coughs> really clinical in those five games. As I say, twenty-one goals, but it's only like seventeen and a half xG that they're creating. So yeah. they're overperforming that. They are being clinical. They are finishing chances that they're getting. And I know it was the opposite in the Champions League, but domestically, there's no loving with Celtic in front of a goal at the moment for people. Yes, very much so, and yes. VAR apart, a lot of people saying that VAR will play its part. Yeah, I, I just think yeah. Celtic, even with VAR and the decisions that have gone against them, they've got on with the job, Sean, at hand. I just think the manager doesn't allow mm-hmm. them to be sidetracked by VAR. You know, he is kind of, yeah. as what as he had his, he had his uh, carefully chosen words to say about it on yeah. Saturday, but he'll be drumming at his players, look, there is nothing you can do about this. Just keep playing your football, stick to what you know best. Don't let Van knock you off your stride, and that's yep. what's happened. That's what, I mean. That's what I said in the first. Uh, see the that that first Hearts game with the when Celtic's first game with Van in it. I uh, obviously you were at it. I done a, a quick, um, basically a, a quick instant reaction breakdown to how Var had got on that game. Obviously, it was not all complimentary. Um, <laughs> but at the end of it, the conclusion I drew from it was that when he was asked about it in the build up to the game, he said that Var won't stop people morning it won't stop decisions being wrong necessarily yeah. it's more about how his team respond to it how they don't let it get to them as you just said there and i think on that day they didn't let it get to them sure and the weekend they didn't let it get to them so as long as that thing continues all yeah. good indeed now speaking of australia which we heard the other day gun yourself comes in and says celtic everton game 70 percent sold so far for the sydney cup and Acker mm-hmm. Stadium holds 83,500. He's got all these four tickets. Well done, gone yourself. I might see yeah. you there at yeah. some point. Indeed, looking forward to that. But we'll preview that near the time. Well, Sean, you say 4 now, I say 5 now. Yep. Reconvene tomorrow <laughs> and see who's the closest uh, yep. or, or way off or that kind of case. And we'll see what team Ange Postacoglu picks. But yeah, small journey to. Third Park, Motherwell, Lanarkshire, the league campaign continues. Celtic still a magnificent seven ahead, Sean. Certainly are, yep. Thank you guys for all your comments. We appreciate it every day. Really enjoy the 
the banter and the toing and froing and just just your general thoughts on the club that you love. And speaking of that, it's a pound for two months of full access to everything that we write on the website and all the podcasts. There's something for everybody there. And all you have to do is join us. It's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Yeah. Hit that button. Um, Tony, sorry, just going on your go sales just asking you're going to Oz, Tony and Sean. You can eliminate the last couple of words for that. <laughs> I will not be going. Uh, I'll be here as always, but Tony, Tony will be on tour. I'll be there. I'll yeah. uh, maybe see you go on yourself. So if you if you do come up and say hello, it'd be great to see a lot of the guys who tune in uh, from Australia and say thank you very much for your subscription as well. We do appreciate it. Sean, as always. Um, Sorry, just going to say, Kevin Ferrier's just asking who the VAR ref is. Um, so the, the officials are Willie Collins, the referee. Uh, his assistants are uh, Dougie Potter and Craig Ferguson, fourth official Alan Newlands, and then the VAR is uh, David Dickinson, who was the ref at, at the weekend. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you couldn't make it up, could you? <laughs> yeah, there you have it. It all come out in the wash, Sean. Indeed. There we go. But thanks, guys. First class, as always, appreciate your comments. Sean, contribution, as always, top-notch. And uh, we shall reconvene tomorrow. See you then. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys.